Wow. So we do give here at the church, and we actually have ways that we can give um, here in person that are not online, as you just saw in the video. You can also give. Uh, we have a, a giving box just out in the foyer behind me, um, and we have a. Uh, we're also able to to accept checks now written to Promise Church, and uh, so that's new. That's new for us. Um, so I just wanted to to make that uh, available. Let me uh, let me let me pray. And uh, I'm going to, yeah, just welcome God into this next part of the service. God, I just thank you so much that you are, that you are so involved in this community, that our hearts are drawn towards you. God, that, that we are people who look to you, who say, God, we aren't perfect, we aren't there yet, but we are looking to you to shape us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus, we pray that we would be a people that grow, that we would not stay the same, even though we hear the word, that we would not stay the same, but that we would be changed by it, that we would, that we would be affected by it, and that we would be a people that, that even read our Bible more. And so, Jesus, I pray that you would give us a love for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in week four of Read Your Bible, or commonly known as Read Your Bible. And uh, we're, we're having... We're having a lot of fun in these discussions that, that we've been going through about reading our Bible, and, uh, and we've discovered a lot of different things about obstacles to reading the Bible and, and ways that we need to be thinking about it. We talked about genres, and you know, on Slack, we're already lighting up with Sharknado and Dwayne Johnson, so come on, I repent, I repent, I repent. Um, but we've got this We've got this, this piece where God is speaking to us. He, he is revealing. So from message one, we, we, I just wanted to look back and, and say the purpose of Scripture is, is God revealing himself in the person of Jesus for the restoration of creation. So it's three parts, God revealing himself in the person of Jesus and then for the restoration of creation. We've seen the first two. We look longingly towards the last one where all of creation is restored. And, uh, and, and that means no more viruses. Um, and so we look, we look forward to this day when God makes all things right through the person of Jesus. And I'm, and I'm so excited about it. But today we're going to actually do a, a, a Bible study um, with us. But the question that I have that I want to start off with is on Slack, I want to hear what you guys think about what impact does your personal, does your translation choice have on reading the Bible? So the Bible's translated into multiple, multiple translations. It's translated, um, there's, there's tons of them, and so we see that they, they, they read differently. They're not all the same. They aren't plagiarized. They're, in, they're translations from the original language, and so what impact does switching up your translation have? And I want to hear from you on Slack. While I'm doing that, I am going to uh, just read from John 8, 12. We are going to live in John 8, 12 today. Uh, so I'm going to read from it, and here's, here it is in the ESV. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a powerful verse. That is a very powerful verse. This is, this is a very significant verse, understanding who Jesus is. So let's read it in another translation. We're going to go to the NLT. 
Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And you hear a, a tonal difference. There's, there's something different happening. The, the message is exactly the same, but there's a, there's a tonal difference that comes out of the words themselves. And, uh, and so this is, this is something that, that, we, that we have. So translations. There's, there's a huge irony that happened in church history. And, uh, and, and here it was, in 1450, that was a bunch of years ago, in 1450, it was illegal to translate the Bible. Well, from Latin, which is a translation. So Luther's German translation of the Bible was introduced in 1522. And William Tyndale was martyred in 1536 for translating the Bible into English. It was a big deal. You don't just translate the revelation of God. You don't just like throw down whatever your opinion is. You need to, you need to read it. According to them, you need to read it in Latin at the time. And so now currently, there's over 100 different translations of the Bible. And I think that that's what the Catholic Church was trying to avoid. A huge multiplicity of, of, of translations out there. They didn't, they didn't really want that. They wanted to have this, this one text. But the irony of it was, it already was a translation. So, what impact does your personal translation choice have on reading the Bible? A bunch of people have already you know, chimed in on Slack. So some people say, um, I'm a translation junkie. I want to read them all. Right? <laughs> Uh, another person, same idea. I love switching. It, it gives a different perspective. So, so the impact that reading in different translations has gives a different perspective. Uh, another person wrote, I used a 50-year-old plus King James Bible for a while, and it was a lot of work to read. So the King James uses Old English with these and thous and, and uh, a lot of THs in, in different spots. Someone else wrote, uh, I, I'm personally a fan of ESV, but if I come across something that I'm not sure what it means, I'll flip through some other translations to round out my understanding. Um, and uh, <laughs> someone else writes, there's the New Revised Standard Version, and then there are wrong ones. That's the way it is. That's, and and I, I respect that. That's, uh, that's great. So... We have this piece where, where the Bible translation affects the way that we read it. It affects how we understand it. It affects how the message lands. Um, someone writes, the Bible translations are like computer parts. They're obsolete as soon as they come out because language keeps evolving. Well, that's really interesting. I remember in 1999, there was a Bible that was translated. It was called the Street Bible. And it used current slang in, I think it was in New York, to, to translate all the Bible into a New York-type slang. It's almost unreadable today. Like, it's just like, what does this even mean? Like, so, so language is always changing. Um, and so this is what we're going to do today. What I want to hear in this next section as we dive into John 8, 12 is should the Bible be written in the common language or should the language of the Bible be elevated? 
So should we be, should we be hearing the Bible in a casual language? So Eugene Peterson, he was a linguist, and he translated the Bible into, into a street language, into a common vernacular, and called it the message. And it's, it loses the verses. You don't have verse markers except for on the top heading. And it's just this casual conversation. Should the Bible be translated into a common language or should it be more elevated? Thank you. I was hoping somebody was going to post that graphic of the types of Bible translations. So this is wonderful. Um, and a comment to my wife. She wrote NLT and ESV are my favorites. That's why we've already read John 812 in ESV and NLT as a nod to you. So thank you. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at John 8:12, and we're going to do something that maybe you've never done before, and maybe you've done it all the time, according to what I'm seeing on Slack, but we're going to go to John 8:12, and we're going to read it in four different translations, the original Greek, the ESV, the NLT, and a new translation called the Passion Translation. And uh, and so while you're thinking about, should the Bible be written in the common language or should it be more elevated? So right up here, we have in Greek the, uh, the verse that we just read. It says, Palin un autos alenesen o Jesus legon. Amen. Amen. I can't. So, so what we have, and, and what I've done is I've, as I've put the color tones here on the screen for us so that we can actually see where it's actually represented, where those words are represented, and I put them into what are called idioms. So idioms are the piece of scripture that are like, here's kind of a saying, like, uh, um, yeah, I can't think of any idioms right now because they just go away. So Slack is going to light up with a whole bunch of idioms for me to read later. So little sayings that we have. Um, and so the one trans so translations go through, okay, so this is kind of an idea that needs to be communicated. How do we communicate this into English? How do we do it? So what the translators do is they have a decision that they have to make right off the bat. They have to say, are we going to translate word for word? So palin means again. Are we going to translate word for word? Or are we going to translate idea for idea? And when you translate idea for idea, then you get a more casual language because you go right into how would I understand that? But when you translate word for word, you get kind of a wooden language because Greek says things in a way that you can't articulate that well um, in English. So we're going to get into that a little bit. You'll notice a little bit of the changes between the translations. So we're going to start with a simple word, palin, which means again. And so this is the way that the ESV does it. It says, again. It's pretty obvious. The ESV is always trying to go as word for word as possible. The New Living Translation doesn't quite do it. It puts it a little bit further, and it says, once more. Kind of saying again, but in the narrative, it fits a little bit more uh, easy to read, easy to understand, once more. In the Passion Translation, you'll notice that there's no cyan. They just dropped it completely. They didn't think it was important that it was again Jesus said. They just thought, you know, Jesus said is good enough. And so that was, that was a translation decision. So every single Bible uh, translation, the translators 
have decisions to make. Now, it's going to come uh, fairly clear. I'm going to come back to this in a second, so please leave it up there. It's going to come very clear in, in a moment that one of the accusations against Bible is people say, oh, we can't trust the Bible because there's so much, so many translations out there, and it's like broken telephone. We don't really know what the original says. Well, that's absolute garbage. And the reason that idea is garbage is because every translator goes back to the over 3,000 manuscripts that we have dating from the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd centuries. They all go back to the source and start their translation work from the source. They don't, we don't translate the Bible from the, last, from the most latest translation and try again, and then translate again and try again, because then we would end up with broken telephone. Then we would get a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation. But we, there are literally thousands of Christian scholars and non-Christian scholars, to be certain, that work hard to translate this historical text from source material. And so anybody who argues that, oh, we can't trust the Bible because it's just being translated over and over and over again, has no idea of the, of the rigid rules around biblical translation, and in fact around translation. Like, it's not just biblical translation, it's the whole world of translation. There's, a, there's an honor and a trade and a respect done to it. So let's go back to this again. So here we go. We, we go into um, un autos elegese, whatever. I had it the first time. It's Greek. We can't read it. That's the point. We, we, we're not supposed to read it. So what we've done is we've said, okay, so we go, we go back here and it says, Jesus spoke to them. Oh, okay, so them spoke past tense, Jesus saying. Okay, so Jesus spoke to them saying. There it is. And then we have Jesus spoke to the people and said. But now we have Jesus said, oh, to who? Oh, we, don't, we, we dropped this as well. So the Passion Translation decided that to them didn't matter. They just got rid of it. The autos there and the palin, they got rid of it. So, so what we have is different translations here. I, I want to get to this one here because this is actually really important. And here's where we really want to be reading multiple translations. If you come to, somebody said on Slack already, if you come to scripture and you say, I don't really understand it, go to another scripture. Go to another translation because they've gone to the source and they've, they've addressed it in a slightly different way. So go to another source. But watch what happens here when, when sources kind of change perspectives a little bit. Um, this says, I am the light of the world, Cosmo, the world. So what we have is, I am the light of the world. This is straight word for word. Ego, I, I am, emi, the, the, phos, light, of the, tau, of the, cosmos, world. Right? So it's a, it's a very direct translation, English Standard Version. That's why we use it here at Promise. I hope I'm not boring you, but this is, why, this is how we need to trust our translations. When we get to the New Living Translation, we see that 
once again, I am the light of the world, is taken very, very seriously, very word for word. Even though the New Living Translation is usually idea for idea, they went right here, they said, there's no better way to say I'm the light of the world than to say I'm the light of the world. It's a simple construct sentence. When we get to the passions, when we get to the Passion Translation, there's a significant change here, and I want you to hear what happens. I am the light to the world. So there's, a, there's something something's different here. I am the light to the world. And it's little changes like this in, in the Passion Translation that has biblical scholars like just reaming out this work on the, on the, on the Passion Translation. When, when you hear it, you hear like, what, are you, what is this translation? There's controversy around this translation because of little tonal differences like that. And this is how we come to trust Scripture. Because guess what? The Passion Translation, it's around. It's going to be around. There's over 100 translations. But because the, the scholarship is so tied to the original text, this one won't last. It won't last because, because it's very different to say, I am the light of the world, which is this right here. I'm not going to go into how the word the translates 16 different ways in Greek, but right there is best translated of. And what they did is they went to. Think about that for a second. What's the difference What's the difference when you, when you come to Scripture and, and you say, I, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, versus Jesus says, I am the light to the world? What does that do? What it does, I, it, it separates. So I just heard somebody visit, uh, verbally say that. It separates Jesus from the world. The whole point of the incarnation was for Jesus to embody and to live with and to be a part of. And so Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, places him in person. Whereas Jesus saying, I am the light to the world, separates. And so biblical scholarship has been very adamant that we need to get this stuff Right, And so they study the original text. So it's so important that if, we, that if we say, okay, we want to know Scripture, we should read our Bibles. We read our Bibles with understanding. So let me go back to, uh, let me go back to Slack for a moment, because I asked a question, and it says, uh, should the Bible be written in the common language or should it be more elevated? And, and some people, some people uh, answered, you know, always common so that everybody can understand other people said, I suspect Jesus spoke in the same way as the people he spoke to. You know, it's a really funny story. We, we just read some Greek, but that's not current Greek. The Greek we read is a dead Greek. It's called Koine Greek. And when the biblical translators translated from Koine Greek into, into Latin, they were very convinced that it was a heightened language, that it was like the best most high-quality Greek that existed because it wasn't like the Greek that existed in that day, nor does it exist anymore today. And they were like, this is, Jesus spoke in this spirit-empowered, true language that was so rich that nobody else spoke like that. 
Well, here's the problem. Scholarship has actually shown us later that in finding other writings of that age that were more common among, uh, among sailors, more common among tradespeople, that they spoke Koine Greek. Jesus spoke the language, the most common language of the people. He didn't speak the high-level language. He spoke the common language of the people. Um, someone just asked, if NIV versions have changed over the years, I'm going to see six responses. The quick answer is yes. The NIV has updated uh, five times since it's been translated. So... Um, what we, what we look at here, somebody actually just wrote something really good. If you have the Uversion app on a tablet, you can compare it side by side in different translations, kind of like what we just did on the screen here. So this is, uh, this is something that, uh, actually, I just, I'm, reading, uh, I'm reading a comment that I think is, uh, is really good, so just give me a moment here. It should be mentioned that the idea, the idea that the Bible itself can be translated from the original language is not a given. It was an early decision made by the church, and it carries some theological baggage. For any text, there will always be a certain ideas that cannot be fully conveyed through any translation. For instance, Muslims hold that the Quran cannot be directly translated because God's revelation was in Arabic. It attempt, attempts to put it in other languages, only are are only interpretations of reflections of it. Right, so, so this, is, uh, this is something where we have now given over to the idea that multiple translations inflect differently. My point was that scholarship should be very, very keen to get it as accurately as possible, that we should be like, mm, we're not gonna play broken telephone here, we're going to give it a slightly different angle, and actually that's right here in my, in my notes. Every translation comes at it with a slightly different translation angle. So, for example, I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to hit two or three of them. The New International Version has a slight bias towards a certain atonement theory. So every time the word atonement is used, it, and every time the, the idea, so atonement is the idea that Jesus' blood washes us from all sin and brings us into right relationship with God. Atonement, at one meant. Um, so making us one with God. There are multiple different theories of how God did that through the person of Jesus. NIV leans towards one. The ESV has a bias towards a theological construct called Calvinism. And it just shows up, and it's in everything that, it, that is written. And so, so you read that and, and, and go, okay, well, it's always going to go that direction. So we read multiple translations, it gives us more of an understanding of what the Bible was saying. So what you read, what you read will be empowered by God because the Holy Spirit reads with you. See, all of the differences in the Bible, the, the, the pieces that change slightly, as we just read in that, in that slide that I asked Pastor Devin to make, and he said, if I ever do that to him again, he'll kill me. Um, it was apparently a hard slide to put together because of the Greek language. But um, the minor difference you see, they're not very significant for everyday reading. So you can just read one translation until you can't understand it. Then pick up another one. But they do make a difference theologically. And so, but what you read, again, will be uh, 
will be empowered by God because the Holy Spirit, who's the author, he reads with you. And he does. God is reading with you. Here's a simple practice. When you read your Bible, you open up your Bible app or you pick up, the, you pick up a physical scripture. When you read your Bible, pray this simple prayer. God, what do you want to show me today? not profound just a simple prayer god what do you want to show me today and in that the holy spirit reads with you immerse yourself in the word read your bible so i want people here if you've been reading your bible for a while i'd love to hear a couple of stories share a time when the holy spirit has brought to light a specific scripture verse in your life Share a time when the Holy Spirit brought a specific scripture verse to light in your life. A time when that verse really mattered. If you can give me the verse and a simple story around it, this would encourage the community on Slack to to read these stories and be like, oh, that's really cool. This is a way that God uses reading the scripture. So I'd love to hear some stories on Slack. Thank you, thank you for contributing to that because it's it just builds us up. Our values are God, community, we're doing this together. Growth. We want to be a community that grows. So share these stories because these help. The Bible continues to be interpreted now in the the 21st century lives. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's taking your experience and he's showing what he's done in Scripture and he's applying it here in your life, 21st century. The amount of times where I don't understand a situation, where I'm like, oh God, I don't, I don't get what's going on here. And I come to scripture and I'm like, oh, that applies here. That story hits this situation right here in my life. And so this is, this is how God speaks today. The scriptures are the most accessible way and they're the least subjective way of the voice of God in our life. It's so easy to, you know, get caught up in an idea that I have myself, and I'm like, oh, here's my thought, here's my idea, and I'm just going to run with it. Until I read Scripture and I go, oh, wait a second, that gets counterbalanced over here. Okay, my idea isn't fully rounded yet. I need to see God in Scripture. It's least subjective. And the Holy Spirit affirms and speaks through Scripture in our everyday life. So we are continuing to experience the revelation of God. Our experiences aren't going to make it into the canon. They're not. We're not making a new Bible. We talked about that in the first week. But our experiences are affirmed by Scripture. And so when we read Scripture, we can recognize the revelation of God. Scripture is written to reveal God in the person of Jesus for the restoration of creation. And so when I read scripture and it applies in my life and I experience something, oh, God's revealing himself. I see it here in scripture as well. So the more experiences you have with God, the more you'll see that God's actions today are the same as they were in scripture. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. His actions are are never changing. His heart towards us is never changing. And that is powerful. 
So let's see a couple stories on Slack. Someone said Psalm 121 when I was 10 or so um, and watched Caroline the, uh, early that day and was spooked silly. My mom shared a scripture with me to calm me down. Um, and, and as the service started, I felt an urge to pick up my Bible, open it to Psalm 121. And I remember the story from a, a, a long time ago in my life. Like, this is awesome. This is how scripture works in us. So someone else wrote Matthew 10, 31. During my first year of Bible college, I had no savings, and a clerical error with my student loan caused them not to release my funds until February. God continued to provide and take care of my needs uh, for those six months when I had no money. And it gets linked to Matthew 10, 31. Psalm 46, 10. God constantly shows this to me when I feel tense or anxious. Like, the scripture comes alive to us as we open it up. God says, this applies here because the Holy Spirit is reading with us. So thank you so much for, for uh, going through that, that verse, John 8, 10. Jesus truly is the light of the world, John 8, 12. And uh, I just pray that you're encouraged as you read scripture. If you don't understand it, read another translation or even... Slack somebody in the church and say, I'm reading the scripture, I don't get it. What do you think it means? How can, how, does, how can I understand this verse? And we can, as a community with the Holy Spirit, understand the genuine voice of God. God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the passion for you in this church. Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would enlighten himself to us, that we would be able to see your actions here in Bradford and the surrounding areas, that we would be able to hone in on what you are doing and see it affirmed in Scripture. Jesus, I pray that we would have a love of the Word and that you would be guiding us in all of this. Help us always experience this together as a community as well. Draw us closer together and draw more people into this community so that they know that they are welcome in your kingdom that you're building. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Promise Church. We pray you have a great week. I do have to say that my wife and I are going on vacation to Florida for the next two weeks. Church is going to happen like normal because we have an awesome team here. Um, next week is going to be a forum Sunday, but Valerie and I will be out of reach, and, uh, and so we, we, uh, we pray God's blessing on you. We'll see you in a few weeks, and uh, until then, God bless, and see you here next week if you're going to be here with Pastor Danielle and um, the rest of the team. God bless.